again, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Allie, great to be with you on this Monday morning, sir. Absolutely, and it's going to be a short week this week, so it's kind of exciting because I have my dojo's closed Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday because of uh, Memorial Day weekend, and um, I'm excited. I have my Black Belt Club tonight, so it's a shortened week. It's it's just uh, kind of looking forward to a little bit of downtime, just have some fun and not have to worry about anything. I hear you. Yeah, we're we open we're open all the way through Sun or uh, excuse me Friday. And then I'm actually trying to look to make sure if I have any parties this weekend. No, you know what? I know we don't. So we're closed uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Because I always close that Monday and that Tuesday. But you already knew that anyways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool, though. It's good. You know, even though, uh, you know, I don't always have to be there. You don't always have to be there. You know, as a school owner, I bet your school owners out there are going to nod their heads when they hear this. It's that... You know, we, uh, you know, you have to worry about it when you're open. There's chances of things happening, you know, uh, things going wrong, things going right too. I mean, it's all good and all bad at the same time, but it's just that stress relief of knowing there's nothing going on. You could really kind of just relax. I, I know I take a, a different breath of relief when, when we're closed compared to when I'm not there and we're open, right? Makes sense? Uh, hands down, totally. Yeah. And I totally trust my team, but. Uh, it's just something about being absolutely 100% closed <laughs> that makes a right, huge right. difference. Right, exactly, exactly. Cool, so, so we have a great topic today, right? Yeah, the topic we're going to talk about is uh, building your team. Um, I, it's, it's something that I think is important for all of us school owners to, to know and understand um, that it's one of the most important things that we – have in our arsenal that we have to do. This is our 100, 130th episode. Um, I know that we've talked a little bit about team building to a certain degree, uh, but I'd like to get a little, little bit more in depth on, uh, on, on team building and some concepts about it, and then also um, some rules that are going to be important right. uh, uh, for us. And I know like when you first started, when I first started, we didn't have these rules set in place for us, but as we went through and made mistakes, we go, oh, crap, I, I, I don't want this to happen again, so I need to, you know, uh, I need to have some sort of rule to cover, cover that mistake so that it doesn't happen again, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, a rule is nothing more than a playbook or a diagram, right, you know, that clearly sets out ahead of time what you may or may not do in a specific situation. So, you know, uh, two football opposing football player teams, you know, um, the ball goes this way, the other team runs that way. You definitely do not want to run the ball into your own end zone, right? You know, that's rule number one, right? Things like that that are simple, that easily could be, um, you know, taken care of, and, and so that there's no question really. Absolutely. So, I, you know, the, the first thing I, I, I kind of want to lay the groundwork with with regards to building your team is uh, I, I'm talking from everybody from your your uh, you know office staff to your instructional staff. I'm, I'm talking about all of that. All of those team members are included in in into this concept. The thing you have to decide that you would that you want to do. There's two different types of roadmaps you can kind of take this along. And here's kind of what I mean. If you look at the uh, traditional military um, structure where you have, and I was never in the military, so I'm, I may get some of these terms messed up and you might even have to correct me, Ali. So I don't mean any offense by this when I say this, but the point is, is this you have, I, I believe when you enlist, you're a private, 
and then you move mm-hmm. from private first class to second class to whatever it is. But you have specific rankings, and then you have, you know, the sergeant that's next and the captain that's – or whatever, however it goes. You have a hierarchy that is followed, and that hierarchy is important for who's in charge of who and who has authority over who and who makes decisions for what. So you can run your business that way. And so what I mean by that is you have your leadership storm team members and what their responsibilities are, and you could even inside that have different hierarchies for them, meaning you have different levels. So storm team level one, level two, level three, however you want to, you know. And then that would bleed over into your instructors where you would have maybe an assistant instructor before they become a certified instructor, before they become a master instructor, or however you want to create it. And then you would have the same thing, maybe, you know, assistant program director to program director. And then you would have, um, you know, your manager that would be over everybody. And, and so you would need to create this pyramid um, of structure and responsibility. That's one way to do it. And, and I'm not going to knock either way. And we can kind of discuss both ways. Um, the other way that kind of, I think, happens naturally in the beginning when you don't uh, have this structure in place to start with is kind of like what the SEAL teams do. Um, Yeah, they have rankings, but really when you're in the teams, uh, nobody is above anybody per se, but you do have specialists. And so you would have a specialist in one area, and of course you would defer to that person when it would come to that information, but everybody, nobody, and I might be messing part of this up, uh, but I did kind of discuss this with one of my SEAL team friends, your your friend as well, um, yeah. about that concept. And 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 so I would say for me, I started my business that way. Of course, I was in charge of everything. But as I created storm team members and had office staff and had uh, assistant instructors and then instructors, yeah, I was in charge of everything. I was the general, and that uh, that's mm-hmm. a given. But I, I had a head, I had had instructors, um, you know, but but they were never really over. Everybody was a team, right? They were a specialist in regards to the fact that they had special responsibilities, right? Um, but 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 they 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 weren't uh, necessarily. You look, I'm your boss type position, right? And I believe that that has. Um, benefited my school running it that way up until a certain point where, you know, then I would have individuals that, uh, that I've hired that needed a little more clarification than that. Um, Mm -hmm. That's where I had to kind of make some defined roles to decide, okay, maybe I do need to make this structure where, you know, okay, yeah, I'm at the top and, and my program director is here, and my head instructor is here, and then my assistant program director is, you know, below my program director, and then my uh, assistant instructors are below my head instructor, or, you know, or or, or my head instructor is there, then I have regular instructors and then assistant instructors and so on and so forth all the way down. And, And I've done that now, and I've classified that, and I've created responsibilities for those individuals, and I've even deferred to the fact that, you know, my policy and procedures manual does now now talks about the fact that, you know, if the general manager is not in the building, 
because ultimately there was I'm I'm the general manager, you know, right. of my one one establishment. But but if I'm not in the building, then the individual, the head instructor that's out on the floor is responsible for everything. Right. Um, even supersedes my program director, but they're still specialists in their area. So if something is or has to do with customer service and it needs to be done in the office, then my program director has um, authority over that. But but I have their their um, jobs intertwined so much that it's hard to put one over the other per se. But when the crap hits the fan. I will go to my head instructor because it's ultimately their responsibility and they know that. So I want to kind of lay that groundwork first before we get into other things. But I want to get your input on what I just said prior to going to yeah, the next step. Yeah, I'm, tr I'm trying to think of a good analogy of um, how people could see this. And, and this is here um, – this is interesting. My daughter plays in, a, uh, in the school band, and she plays flute. And I always kind of poke fun at the conductor who's got those two little sticks or one stick in the hand. And, and I'm like, you know, I was in a rock band. Like everyone, the drummer went one, two, three, four. The song started and we all played our parts. We knew where we were. We knew what to do. Um, we played and we stopped the song at the end. So I always kind of poke fun at having to have somebody up there. But of course, you know, my band was a four-piece band. This is a 42-piece band with many different levels of instruments. So I said, you know, Kiara, is it, is it really that important? Like, what does he do? She goes, oh, my God, it's so important because sometimes we can't hear what's going on on the stage. Um, I, we don't know where we are because we're hearing the drums or maybe the baritone or the trumpet behind us. So he, she goes, we all look for his direction. And, you know, he's pointing to us when we start or starting the, the, the seg section that we begin and when we end and when we go we crescendo and, you know, and so on and so forth. So um, I, I then kind of got a better appreciation of watching him in action. I still kind of think it's a little bit, you know, um, you know, a little bit too much. I think the band probably could do it um but uh but yeah that so that that's the head right you're the you're the conductor of your school right you're the visionary you're the one that built everything right you're the one that knows what needs to go however sometimes school owners they're not efficient or capable of doing every job they don't know how to do certain things right so they need to have people under them that will do better like for example i've always and i said do you uh, you know this is an interesting topic because i've I've been in business for 26 years. I've had hundreds, if not thousands, of employees between my multiple companies and my landscape company beforehand, or my school. And um, I don't know. I, I think that uh, you know sometimes relying on a qualified person could relieve you of all this burden. Also, not burden of, of responsibility and management, but also burden of uh, learning the task when it's not not needed. You don't need to be an expert at every single thing that your company needs to do. Like, I don't think the owner of Starbucks, maybe he does, but he's not, you know, no, he doesn't know how to fix the coffee machine if it breaks down, right? They have specialists in that category and, um, you know, and so on. So I, I just wanted to kind of point that out. This is This is important for us to know. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's another topic, but – the the with regards to the fact that um, there's some things in your business when you're not good at you should delegate out and sometimes yeah. those things don't even uh, aren't even housed in your business so with reference right. to Starbucks they probably have a company that they uh, hire hire out you know they outsource the fixing right, right. of things yeah. they don't necessarily probably have their own fixing team right um, right you know that type of thing so 
but anyway, that but, but kind of I, gives everybody – go ahead. No, I said I love your hierarchy ment- mindset because it's so true. I mean, it has to it has to have a flow because this has been my experience with my my employees over the years is where certain people don't know who they report to. So then all of a sudden there's a they become bitter because so and so like I once had a program manager who was just totally nasty to my head instructor and uh, and uh, he's like right directly under me and I was in a meeting with them and she's like I don't listen to you you're not my boss I'm like yeah he is your boss where did you ever get the impression that he wasn't your boss like she thought because I hired her. She only reported to me. I'm like, no, he's your boss. But maybe I did. I mean, I was clear on it. But at the same time, maybe I wasn't clear enough. Um, but uh, this guy was frustrated because anything he told her, she gave him an attitude. She did whatever she wanted. And he said, we have to fire her. And then when I eventually did, she was shocked because she was nasty to him and, and treated him poorly. Um, for what reason? She probably just thought she was in charge of him. So I didn't make that yeah. clear. So your hierarchy mindset mentality is very important. And that brings us to the next point with regards to um, I really believe that, that your, um, your school needs to have some sort of mission statement that everybody can fall in line with, the reasons why you're in business. They may be um, – they, they, they might, for yourself, may be clear, but they may not necessarily be clear for your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and – and you know, so for 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 us, it's a um, it's a, like developing a mission statement for us, and and understanding what it is may like. I guess I, I look at it. We we've got it pretty easy because I run a Christian martial arts school. All of my philosophies and everything uh, follow that vein. Um, you know, have do do I have people that or have I had people work for me? And do I have people that work for me that aren't Christians? Well, yeah. You know, but our mission is, you know, um, pretty set and pretty clear on, you know, why we have this studio and what the impact is that we want to have, you know, not just the kicking and punching part, you know, but, uh, you know, to to take our students to another level of, of not just the kicking and punching, but, you know, to be an example of who Jesus Christ is in our life to them. And so... You know, your 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 school needs to have some sort of mission that everybody can fall in line with, and really that I think helps clear up a lot of problems. Um, because if they're not willing to follow the mission, uh, you know, if they don't agree with that mission, they're the wrong in, uh, employee to begin with, and that brings up a whole other topic with regards to the, 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 the concept of, of uh, you know, hire slow and fire fast, uh, which is a really, really hard concept to, to uh, do <laughs> for real. Easy to say, but really hard to do. So the next, like I said, the next step, you know, from the hierarchy is to understand what your, what your mission is. Why are you in business? And make sure that every single one of your employees know why you're in business, whether it's the the program director, whether it's the head instructor, regular instructors, assistant instructors, all the way down to whatever you call your your um, your bench strength, being your storm team, uh, leadership team, whatever that is. Allie, what do you think about that? You know, I love I love what you're saying too, and 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 I'm thinking also there's different tiers to the mission statement, right? Because there's probably a different state. Uh, you know, it's one general mission statement, like you said, and and, and my my mind started asking questions when you were saying, hey, I'm a Christian martial arts school. We don't teach all Christians. 
um, but we have a clear mission. And, you know, uh, and devoid of religion, you can still be on the same path, right? You could still, you know, be a school Absolutely. of, you know, helping, you know, and by the way, whatever the religion is that people practice is just, you know, what, and, and I'm saying this to be generalized, is the vessel in which we approach our, our life mission, our true north principles, right? So like where, what's right and what's wrong for us. So I love what you said because, um, you know, you are a Christian-based school, but you you have many Muslims in your school and and Jew, Jewish people and so on. Um, but those those seven underlining spiritual values that is a book called the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, where those they took every religion and they put them all together into a computer database and then they sorted them out and there was like seven standard um, ph- philosophical precepts to every religion that were that were exact. You know, and um, but so so I get what you're saying as far as the mission goes. And then I think that there is a really it's critical too that the students understand the mission as well. So we have to learn as as employees or owners and managers and, and, you know, employees of the company how to get the mission out there so people understand what we stand for. And then we also have to understand, teach the students what their part in the mission is and also tell the parents or the students and share with them what we're trying to achieve. So in other words, like, for example, um, I don't know, the simplest version would be uh, we're a self-defense school. We're not a sports school. Right. And if, if people understand that, they're not looking, you know, they're not saying to you, well, how come we don't, why aren't we a more sport based martial art? They already know the mission. You have to clearly brand and say and teach and explain and educate what you truly are. Well, and then you're right. That falls into part of what you're saying is, you know, knowing what your brand is. And you do right. pull your mission, you, you do pull your mission from your brand or your brand from your mission. They actually right. intertwine. And right. we've got a, a ton of information on, on schoolandertalk.com where we've talked about how to brand yourself. Yeah. Um, so you can go back and research that, uh, you know, on schoolandertalk.com. But so I, I think to, to get everybody to fall under line uh, is, is really important for them to understand why you're in business in the first place. Um, so the next, the, the, the next thing is then – the, the concept that we brought up and I, I said about hiring slow and firing fast. I want to, us to understand that we have a unique uh, structure in, in the martial arts industry that a lot of other business owners hands down uh, wish they had what we have. And that is that we have the opportunity to build up or raise up our own team. I can't tell you how many you know, uh, business owners that I've talked to um, that are jealous of the fact that I raise up my own instructors. You know, so for instance, my head instructor is 28 years old. He'll be 29 this year. He started with me when he was 11 years old. He started working for me when he was 15. So what is that? Uh, he's been working for me for, what, 13 years or whatever? I don't yeah. know, whatever it is. But yeah. And, and not as a head instructor since 15, obviously. But think of the influence that I've had with him um, you know the old concept where it says, uh, uh, you know, this person knows what this person knows is because of everything that I've taught them. Right. But they they don't know everything I know. Right. <laughs> but they do, and and so I I think it's important for us to build a a a, a team from the bottom up. I'm not saying that you can't bring people in. You. I just personally have not found it good to hire from outside in, in, 
in my professional opinion, it's not worked well for me where I necessarily hire somebody that I haven't raised up. Now, with that being said, I have one person who is with me. He is a fourth-degree black belt with me now. He's been with me quite a long time. He was actually uh, a student of mine years and years ago when he was a kid, but not at my studio, uh, at my instructor's studio, you know, my, my first instructor's studio years ago. Well, then after he had moved away, went to high school, went to college, ended up moving back, saw, this is years later, you know, he was, uh, you know, started with me when he was almost a first degree black belt again. And then I worked him all the way up to fourth degree. Um, that's kind of an anomaly. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. I have another lady right now who's a, who's my program director who had already, when she was in college here in town, was searching for a martial arts school. She was almost a first degree, got her first degree with me. So those two individuals, and now she's a second degree, but those two individuals didn't originally start with me from the bottom up at TriStar Martial Arts Academy, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't, I, I didn't allow them to work for me, teach for me, until they had been with me, you know, at least I would say two years prior before we moved into that realm, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's important. I, I, there, there are so, like I said, there are so many other school or um, uh, businesses that are are jealous of the fact that we can actually raise our people from bottom up. And I personally like to work with um, the kids into the teenage years and get them to work with me at teenagers um, because I can mold them and shape them. <laughs> You know, before yeah. they even go off to college, and some go to the community college here in town, or even the other college that's here in town, the university that's right here in town, and then I get them for another four years or another yeah. two years. And so, um, I think it's important for us to look at our whatever you want to call it, Storm King leadership team, and build that from there, um, and and kind of move it on up. Do you have anything you want to talk about with that? Well, I do, and then I could also, um, you know, talk about the opposite side of it. So, like, I there are certain things that I uh, that I do as well, just like you, where I have and 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 you know, almost to the fact too that it's a downside in my school where I can only well, I can't say I can only, but I, in the past, that's all I've ever done is grew instructors. And then eventually got them to teach, right? And then, uh, you know, they know my system. My system is a very specific. Um, you know, it's very antiquated in the terminology and the way that we teach and the things that we do and the traditions that we have. So it would be very difficult for me to pull someone in and have them just teach for me, although I am experiencing that. Um, and I'm doing a test trial run this summer with martial artists, uh, kind of an exchange uh, thing with uh, one of my good friends who's a 10th degree black belt in jujitsu. And uh, two of his black belts are going to possibly start teaching for me, help me with summer camp, help a little bit in my dojo teaching and so on. Um, they have been raised in the martial arts, but they haven't been raised in my system. So I'm, I'm experimenting with that model so that I have a much broader pool to choose from as far as instructors go. My downside is I've always been limited by the people that have trained in my school, um, not necessarily by the people that were highly qualified to teach my art and do what they do. So, you know, I, I'm always like, yeah, I teach ninjutsu. I can't hire someone from your dojo, right? They could, they could come in and teach the basic kicks, punches, blocks, locks um, to some extent, but the actual art, the philosophy, the history, the culture, it's tough. So that's where it's always been my 
um, Achilles heel, so to speak, you know, where um, I'm kind of stuck and limited by that. Um, however, um, program managers and management and front desk people, I've hired many of them from outside and had some good success. Although I can say the most loyal and most dedicated and most trustworthy have always been my students. But I've also had my own students steal from me, uh, cheat me, lie and say they were doing things that, that I thought I could trust them. Um, be, and then I gave them the keys to the empire, so to speak. And, you know, I had one not too long ago that was a hired employee that I trusted. And he, he definitely stole from me a lot of money. Um, and it wasn't just stealing, like reaching into the cash register, stealing cash. Um, you know, it was uh, falsifying information and not doing his job the way he could have, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm kind of on the other side. You can hire from outside, but I do like if I could always rely on the people that I could trust the most that I feel like a part of my family that I feel that I've bonded with. Um, uh, but not always do schools have that opportunity, right? So that's, that's important that, uh, you know, they have to keep an open mind to be able to say, hey, look, I'm a brand new guy. I don't have black belts. I've only been in business for a year and a half. It takes six years to get the black belt in my school. What do I do? Like a good friend of mine runs a karate dojo in Michigan. Um, he's one of our clients, uh, my clients, and, and, uh, and, you know, I built his website, et cetera, et cetera. He's been a coaching client for like seven years. And um, he hires people to be able to teach because he's a karate guy and he could use the, the AAU or the AKA, American Karate Association, guidelines and rules and say, hey, listen, teach. Just learn my kata, learn my forms, learn my this, and, and it's quick and easy. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it's a tough one. I, I, you know, but I like it. I'd rather and prefer to find people from within if possible. Well, and we have that opportunity. So, you know, yeah. I, 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 I don't think we should squander that. Um, that opportunity. And to be quite honest with you, uh, we talked about hire slow, fire quickly. That was one concept that, that for me really took a long time to digest and, and actually do. So how do you hire slow? I think how you hire slow is you start them at, like for us, we start storm team uh, at, at, at what we call red belt. And that's three years into the program before you can even get invited into storm team storm team is not something that everybody gets invited to in fact um i, I usually almost never invite anybody that hasn't already come up and asked the question hey uh mr brummett or hey master bean or whatever uh how do i get on the storm team because i want somebody that's already trying to get on it that's kind of searching for it mm -hmm. um and so they're going to come in and do their clinical hours. They're going to come in every every month. We have a storm team meeting. They're going to learn principles and concepts and how to hold pads and, 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 and you know, whatever you want to throw into that program. But they're going to learn how to do it. And, and here's the deal. I, I have, you know, and I'm holding up my arms. Let's say it's shoulder width. I have this many people that are in my studio. And then out of that, and I'm bringing it down to my next width, you know, I'm uh, on screen here. I have this many, you know, I have this many people that um, get into our storm or our leadership team, but then you know there's just a sliver that get into our storm team, which is our special team of role models. Those are the individuals that learn how to teach from me yeah. and my staff, and uh, we systematically do that um, strategically because now I have a, a a a way of doing that. But from those individuals, let's say I have 20 people on my storm team right now. From those individuals, when I need a new instructor, I can look at those 20 people, and they all know that they're in a running, 
if they, especially if they're of the right age, they're in the running for that next position. Right. Also, my staff knows that I have bench strength, that if I, if I need to get rid of somebody, that I can just pull somebody else up. And so I believe, and it's not where, you know, I don't use that as a card to say, you know, hey, if you don't do a good job, I already got people there. It's not that at all. It's a given. They understand. And plus, they've seen people leave, be it whether they were fired or went off to college, and me pull somebody else up and, and, you know, raise them up to that next level. The other, you know, the next thing is that sometimes you do need to look for those diamonds in the rough. And I'll give you a perfect example of that. I have a, a girl who's on my storm team now. She is a red belt. Um, I've had to talk to her a few. She's on my, my leadership team, but I've had to talk to her a few times about her attitude and conduct at home. But I just see, I see that there is something there. She could be more, not that I don't believe this for my other students, I just personally have this connection with her. I can see that there is something more there, that if I just step it up a little bit and make her have more responsibility, I think that's going to bring – so anyways, I presented her with the opportunity. Well, actually, I had one of my instructors present her with the opportunity. We did the whole interview, and, and there's a whole big process that she has to go through. And my gosh, right now, she is phenomenal. She is yeah. doing excellent. And yeah. she's probably, uh, I don't know, what is she, fourth grade? You know, wow. so imagine, imagine this now. How old? By the time that she's, uh, well, I don't know what fourth grade is. Ten, eleven. Oh, I don't know yeah, what fourth grade not, is. Not prop. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. She's probably at least like nine or ten years old, maybe that. Right? Yeah, but but now she's gonna be on storm team for the next. You know, if she continues. She's gonna be on storm team for the next five, six years before she's eligible right. at at fourteen or fifteen to be able to be hired. How right. awesome is she going to be at that time? And she just wants to do it for free right now. Yeah, right? can I can I add to that? I mean, don't lose yeah. that thought. I just I just had a, I I remembered something like in the past over the years, I've had kids that have helped, right? And and they're it was always an honor to be able to be asked by your sensei to come in and help and be a part of class and and be the uke, the partner who gets thrown and all of that was a great honor for me. When my teacher said, "Hey, you want to come in and teach?" I would say, "Absolutely." And I'd drive all the way out to Ridgewood, Queens, and be with my teacher Shion Vasquez, um, and I was honored to do it. Never once did I say, hey, well, what am I going to get paid? How much am I going to get? Because to me, that was just the ultimate honor and privilege to even be asked. Nowadays, it's kind of funny. Like I had a parent uh, with two of their kids that were in my leadership team for many years, and recently they left, and, and, and you know, they, all of a sudden history changed. They became revisionists and rewrote what they remember as far as the history of our school with them. And uh, the mom's like, well, we work for free, and you have our kids teach for free and help for free. And all of a sudden, it, you know, it used to be, oh, my God, thank you for letting my kids teach. They're learning so much. Then when they're upset and they're leaving, they're like, oh, you let them teach for free, and you, you know, almost as if I took advantage of them. <clears throat> and I, I try to point out to all the parents, listen, even if you're going to be a school teacher in college and you go through the degree, there's a, there's a point in which the school asks you to intern and do this stuff as part of your curriculum. You can't even pass college unless you do a certain amount of time interning for free in that position. Well, how great is it in our schools? We do this all the time. They, they become amazing at what they do. When they're eventually handed the, the keys to the castle, so to speak, and, and, the, and the privilege and honor to teach, they become an amazing individuals, right? And, and they have so much knowledge and, and responsibility and and um, wherewithal and how they stand and hold themselves, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so um, I think that that's what we're doing is just an amazing thing. I just wish 
um, the cash carry society nowadays doesn't think of that in the way that this one group of parents thought, uh, the, you know, about what I did for their child, you know. So you got to be real careful that you're always letting them know how they're learning, how they're, you know, taking, you know, right. they're getting so much to them. So anyway, that's I just wanted to add to that. Well, and I, I will say, okay, so when that problem arises for us as school owners, we have to, one, identify that it's a, that it's a problem. What is the problem? The problem uh, that I'm seeing um, is one of, the, one of it is the fact that there needs to be ongoing communication or education to those parents so that they know that, okay, this just isn't a, a uh, uh, you know, child labor, you know, it's right, like right, the fact exactly, that, though. Yeah, know, that's so true. Yeah, so that they understand that this is much more than that. And that's where, you know, we do a great job with regards to the fact that, okay, uh, on my website, on my, um, uh, you know, uh, advertisements and stuff, I need to have testimonials for, you know, people to, to actually become a student. And then when we right. have our Black Book Club or leadership team or whatever it's called, our upgrade programs, we have testimonials about the mm-hmm. same thing. Well, we right. need to also have those same things about our leadership or storm team or whatever you're calling your program, you know, to gather your bench strength. You need to have those same – you need to have testimonials with regards to the fact that, um, you know, to, for them to read prior to even getting into the program so that they understand what this program is all about. Your sales letter for the program needs to entail that as well. But then there needs to be ongoing education systematically, on purpose, strategically, you know, especially if it's a parent, you know, if this is a kid that you, you have in your program. And, and, and I, I'm not talking about that you need that for uh, an adult leadership member or adult storm team member, with, with how, again, however you're calling the, the, the program. But you do need that for kids, for the parents to have that ongoing education. So they're going, oh, right. okay, my child. So, you know, for us, we have every month we have a handout that we hand out. Um, yeah. Was that redundant? We have a handout that we hand out. But we have a handout that we give the kids uh, or the storm team members, and we actually go over it. The parents that stay get to see it. But, uh, you know, that information is, is good information. So be it whatever we're talking about that month. If we're talking about praise, correct praise, we're talking about uh, yeah. huddling or hover, hovering, if we're talking about the concept of SSL, you know, sweating, smiling, and learning, whatever the concept is that we're talking yeah, yeah. about with regards to that there's a handout that goes with that so that the parents can see what's going on. But there's also other ongoing communication that needs to specifically happen to those parents, meaning they need to get a postcard or a letter or a follow-up, not every month. It could be every quarter that they're getting information and seeing um, a difference in their kid based upon all that information that's happening through your storm team leadership uh, whatever you call it type program. And I don't want to make right. this call all about that, but, but that's the base level that you're going to start with that. Now, I know when I started my storm team, and that's what we call it, uh, I did not have any, I had nothing. I had no structural way to make it happen. But what I did have was I was on the floor, and I am a, this is going to sound really bad for me to say, but I know that I'm really good at it, is right. that I'm really good at teaching while I teach. And so what I mean by that is I can teach a storm member, storm team member while I'm teaching everybody else and they're going to pick up on those concepts and things while I'm teaching. And and I ask great questions to my storm team members on, Hey, why do you think that I did this? And to get feedback from them and, and, and those type of things. So 
Uh, Again, I don't want to spend all this time talking about just Storm Team, but that is your biggest, uh, that is your biggest opportunity that sometimes is lost um, because, you know, maybe the owner isn't good at that or they don't think it's the right way. Or like you said, my gosh, maybe they already have 100 students. They opened up and they did this grand opening and they need, they need to hire outside people. So be it. But those individuals need to have your concepts, your mission, and and everything else. Uh, yeah, that all needs to be laid out so they're following it to a T. Now, um, I, I love ex- everything you said, but I want to go back to so we don't lose uh, time and we don't and we don't forget to discuss it. You said hire slow, right? And and fire fast. So I want to add to the hire slow thing. Um, I you know you cannot you cannot think of your open jobs as a way to, uh, you know, find people to fill the spot. In other words, don't run an orphanage for unemployed people. I always say this all the time, right? But, but I have to admit, I've done it. I've, I've done it because as a teacher, human nature creates me that, and maybe it's a flaw in my thinking. Uh, and, and to be honest, I think it is that that part of me has gotten me in more trouble than anything. Now, I've gotten some good, loyal people out of giving them jobs and training them to become what I needed they, them to do, but the majority of people I sometimes hire based on likability, right? And I'm learning more and more not to do that. Right now, I'm in the process of interviewing people, right? And it's amazing because people could either do very well on an interview or do terrible on an interview, whether it be your own student or, or an outside person, right? So it's important for us to make sure that um, we're aware of what we need. The per- like, for example, I had a girl the other day that I interviewed over the telephone for a program manager job. Very well-spoken, charismatic, didn't, you know, say, um, 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 and, you, you know, and, and like, or, you know, things like that. And, and, you know, she just really seemed to have all of the characteristics except for one, which was sales. And, and that's what I, and, and I don't mean sales in the used car salesman sense, but being able to approach someone, show them a membership and get them to understand why it's good for them to join, um, and connect them to the membership and getting them signed up so that they become a student. And when I asked her that, she didn't feel comfortable with it. She's like, yeah, it's not something that I really like doing. And so I had to say, I'm, I'm really not interested because that was the, probably one of the most important parts of the program manager's job is to sit with clients and sign them up into my studio. And if they, I once, here's the greatest thing, I'll give you an example of why I'm probably a, a bad representative of this, is I once hired a guy that I thought was perfect for my school. His name is Teddy. He was a monk, a Buddhist monk, a martial artist, a fifth degree black belt in karate and kung fu and all this stuff. He, he walked around with a robe. He was like the perfect person to have behind my desk, shaved head, Buddha, you know, Buddha necklace or mala beads. I mean, everything was great. And I hired him to be a salesperson and a program manager. I thought he would be ideal, except that he never sold. And I said to him, Teddy, you got to sign people up. He goes, oh, no, no, no. I, I will not approach people and ask them for their money. The only thing they could do is offer it to me, and I'll humbly take it. I'm like, I'm like, why did I hire you to be in this job where, you know, like you're supposed to be my main guy to, you know, to do things. And I cannot, I cannot ask for money. I barely even want to touch it. I asked him to put it on the ca- – I'm like, oh, my God, you're fired. I had to get rid of him. I, you know, I thought it would have been the perfect person, but, you know, and then I didn't ask that question. Like, are you ready? I was, I, I was like overwhelmed with all the other, you know, esoteric stuff that he did that I was like, wow, I'd love to have him there. He matches our team, man. He was the worst because it just, he, I was losing people, right? He, he wouldn't even right. do retail sales. It was a nightmare. So anyway, so I was bad at that. So how about 
you know, quick to fire. Give me your opinion on that. And this is something that I've always been bad at. Yeah. Well, uh, real quickly before I answer that question, I do. I want to go back to the higher slow. Just real quick. Obviously, if you're doing what I said, like what we do is regards to having a storm team and bringing them up and moving them through the, the, the stages, that'll help you hire slow. If you have to hire from outside, and I just had a discussion with uh, a friend of mine who owns a, um, a business here in town, and uh, he, it, 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 he, he's having – he's He's having trouble finding qualified people. And so here's what I told him. I said, you need to create hoops that these people have to jump through. And I said, the number one thing that you want from an employee is you want them to be able to follow the directions. You know, Mm -hmm. for us as school owners, the number one thing we want is we want our, our, our employees to follow directions and have a good attitude. Everything else is teachable. Um, but the attitude and being able to follow directions is not teachable. So right. that's something that has to come from within. So here's yeah. what I told them. I said, number one, I said, um, do your postings, you know, to, to, on the, the job sites that you're looking for and all those type of things. Yeah. And Facebook and yeah, whatever. I said, but uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have them, because e- he has them email the resume. And I said, here's what right. I want you to do. I want you to have them email the resume, but they have to, in the subject line, in quotations, they have to put the words pink elephant. And right. I said, the reason that you want them to do that is because every resume that comes through without that in there, you just throw out, you never even look at because they didn't follow the directions. Well, then the next thing you do is the ones that actually do that, you read their resume and then you email them back and you set a, uh, a point of time that they're supposed to call a specific number to have a phone interview. And if yeah. they don't call that number, um, you know, a minute before, or on time, if they call it after that, I don't care if it's two minutes after it, you don't pick it up. Or if you do pick it up, just to make sure it's them, you say, I'm sorry, you know, um, you, know you didn't call on time, so they, this is done, you know, that type of thing. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter the excuse. It just doesn't matter. And so now you're going to narrow that down. Then from those people that actually do well on the, the phone with you, then you move them in because he owns a uh, – a massage business. I said, then you bring them in, you have them do a, a trial massage where they're going to do a massage on you so that you can see how it works. And if that works and you like them from there, then you move them into a trial basis. You have a trial contract where it's for an X number of time and they're an at-will employee and yada, yada, yada. So those are the hoops that we as ourselves for school owners, we need to have those same types of hoops. Yeah, and that will help us have quality employees. Now, back to the fire fast. Wait, okay. wait, wait. Let me, let me, let me just before you do the fire thing. Let me, let me add to that. Like I've been doing this, and and you know, it's funny that the even little tiny hoops like calling on time, people, the majority of people will fail. I've even gotten to the point where I've done outstanding phone interviews where they ace the phone interview, and I set up an appointment time to come in. I just had one on Saturday, 10 a.m. on Saturday. They didn't even show, and I said to them. You know, please do me a favor. If you can't make it, you have my cell number, just text me. I get it. Even if you change your mind, have the courtesy to tell me you're not coming in just so that I don't sit there and wait for you, right? Or or I could leave or go home or whatever the case may be. Um, and they, I had the girl on Saturday didn't even bother to do either or, show up or text. I had another guy that aced his phone interview, and then he was supposed to come in on a Saturday, 
three or four weekends ago, and he didn't show up. And two hours later, his girlfriend calls me and says, yeah. you know, uh, Bryson, I'm really sorry. He couldn't make it in. It was my fault. I shut his alarm clock. I'm like, really? Oh, that's awesome. Okay, great. I'm like, yes, or to death. She goes, okay, could we reschedule that interview? I'm like, absolutely not. Tell Bryson that I loved him up until this point and no, no need for him to even think about it. This is done. Like, you know, but she actually thought she could call. And he actually thought that she could call me to talk for him. I'm like, what, are you kidding me? Like, what are people thinking these days, right? And it just blew me away. Um, and, I, you know, a percentage of the people won't even answer. They'll send out their resumes. They won't even answer your response emails. They won't even follow up and follow through. Uh, it's just an amazing, and, you know, we live in a society where we claim that we don't have any jobs. I, I've been looking to hire a good person for years, and I always have opportunity. Um, it's just amazing to me at how our workforce has diminished in quality and understanding. Um, anyway, um, and one of our guys, just you see that, Dwayne, he said, uh, this is Sensei Renshi McCauley. He runs uh, Goshen uh, Jiu-Jitsu in, uh, in um, upstate New York and um, amazing school. And uh, he just said he had the same exact thing happen to him. It's just it, it just blows me away. So talk to me about firing because I always feel bad. I'm, you know, I, I'm the guy of the 37 chances, like, you know, the, you know, the 12 noble truths. I'm always given, you know, hey, listen, I, I get it. You stole from me. You probably needed the money. Just don't ever do it again. You promise? Like, I'm like that dumb at times. Not really that dumb. But sometimes I just, as a teacher, I want to educate. And, and sh- I once had a guy say to me, the reason why I've never quit is because you never fired me. That's mm-hmm. what he told me, you know, because you let me get away with murder, basically. That's what he said. And I was like, wow, that was eye-opening for me at that point. And I started to shift my mindset. And I'm much, much better now. I, I, I'm much quicker, but not as quick as I should be. So what are your points on some of those things, tips? Well, yeah, well, first thing is i got to give credit where credit is due. And I first originally learned um, about the whole three-strike rule type thing uh, from Melody Schumann. And I remember her one time going through and having to, to, to actually fire uh, a, a head instructor of hers, and I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, she gave him three chances, and that was it. And I'm thinking to myself, are you serious? Just three? Right. Um, and, and and she's right. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's right. And then I can't remember, I don't know what book it was or a series of books, but I can, I can say this. One was The One-Minute Manager. Yeah. About the one about the one minute reprimand. Right. Another one was a book by Dan Kennedy on um on uh uh employee management. Mm-hmm. And and I think there was another one I can't remember, but after reading all of those and, and I read them over a series of different years and it's just kind of, you know, them melting together was the fact that I, I, I realized that I was doing my, my employees a disservice by not holding them accountable for things. And so um, I'll give you – I have a three-strike rule. The first is a verbal warning. The second is you're written up, and the third one, you're fired. The verbal warning, I do do a write-up just of what the incident was, um, and that actually starts the individual's calendar year. And so they cannot get three strikes in a calendar year from the date of that first strike. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, for instance, <clears throat> last Monday, one of one of, and I love all my employees, but one of one of my employees was supposed to be no, excuse me, Friday, uh, excuse me, last Friday, uh, one of my employees was supposed to be there for three o'clock. There was a three fifteen p.m. class that was starting. Well, at three o'clock, 
uh, he was not there. So I called his cell phone, no answer. And then I tried calling it again, and uh, then it went through and he picked up, and he apologized, and I said, um, you know, just, are you coming? Yeah, I'm coming in. And uh, he explained to me on the phone why, not that the excuse matters, but, and it doesn't matter, right. by the way. And uh, so anyways, he came in, we went through, he, he got into that class. Of course, he was late. Um, after that class, we had our staff meeting. After the staff meeting, he came up and apologized, and that's when I had already had the, the write-up ready for his first offense. <clears throat> and I, you know, and I just said, well, and this is where the one-minute manager steps in with the one-minute reprimand. It's important for that individual to feel bad. Even though I feel bad doing it, it's more important for that individual to feel bad. And it's more important, too, for them to understand how you feel and the effects that them being late has on the business, on, on the other employees, and the student or students. And right. so I don't, I don't dwell on it, but I just went through that on, you know, look, here's, here's who we are and what we're supposed to be. Right. And by not showing up on time, how does that affect our mission? Yeah. How did that infect your employees? How does that infect you? And right. he had to go through those stages and tell me those things. And then he signed the sheet. We moved on. Later that evening, he said to me, you know, he had texted me again later that night when he was done with work. I had already left and, uh, and then again apologized. And I said, look, I said, you're forgiven. I said, um, let's just, you know, you're forgiven. Move on and let's not have it happen again. But mm -hmm. I've had to write up people that were two minutes late. If right. you're supposed to punch in at 3 o'clock, you have to be there and you have to punch in at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock or whatever right. it is. Right. No excuses. Um, I, have, I, I have a guy who's working for me right now. He got – one day he didn't, uh, he didn't come in because he, he normally doesn't work that day. And then when I texted him over and over, he saw it, and then he came in, so I wrote him up. Well, then a week later, two weeks later, whatever it was, he came in late, two minutes late, had to write him up again. And mm. I said, you know, this is your second strike. He's like, yes, sir. He said, I won't be late again. And, and hopefully he doesn't. I, I love this kid. He is, I can see him, you know, being the, the, the next Mr. Bean, if you will, potentially, right? Right, right. Um, but... I, if he can't follow the directions and be there on time, there is no reason why you shouldn't be. I had Listen, I had to write up a kid because, uh, and I say a kid just because he's a lot younger than me, but he's like 16, 17. But yeah. I had to write one up. He, he works, his family owns a farm. And here's the reason he was late. He even texted me and said he was going to be late because a sheep got out of the pen and he had to go and chase it. I get it. That was his responsibility. But he also, he was supposed to be at work on time. And I had to yeah. write him up. Those things suck. Okay, because when we have to fire an employee that's a student of ours, we potentially can also lose a student. Right. I get that. But I've come to the conclusion that it is more important for us to lose them as an employee and as a student to hopefully wake them up as a human being than it is for us to keep giving them chance after chance after chance after chance. And so that's why I've implemented the three-strike rule. That's why I have to fire people. And look, I look at it like this. They forced my hand. They knew what the rule was, and they forced it. Yeah. It's not me. It's their responsibility, and, and, and I have to follow through with it. 
You know, it's interesting. A lot of the things you just mentioned, I, I've gone through with a new, a new girl that I have recently. And, um, you know, I, and, and by the way, I wanted to also add that um, sometimes the reason why we don't fire is because we may not have others to be in that position. So, for example, I, you know, I, if I fired tomorrow this person that I have in the front desk position, I would have no one. Um, and then it doesn't, it's not as easy as it appears for me to get people. Um, so I am su constantly sucking it up so that I can have someone there that's, you know, working at 60% rather than 100% where they should be because I don't have a, b a big bench strength to put people in the program manager position. So in other words, I have a person right now that, you know, they called in and they were like, oh, I can't come in on Friday, Saturday, and Monday because I have to go to this, you know, this place because of this family thing. And, and you know, they're young, so they're kind of controlled by their parents still. And, um, and, and I'm like, what could I do? I'm not happy about it. Then the other day they were late and I said, listen, you cannot be late. Oh, well, it's this and it's that reason. It's that I'm like, I don't care. So I'm, um, I'm interviewing today and, and we had a great talk. I did talk with them and give them an ultimatum and, and they basically admitted to me. I understand. I appreciate it. And, and you're probably right to find someone else because, but I'll stay on board until you do, which I thought was nice of them, but, um, they just couldn't give me the commitment. They weren't going to do it again. So, I mean, I was shocked. And uh, and recently, uh, within the last year, I had a parent that would always talk for their child who was 17. Um, and she worked for me and the parent would come in and say, oh, so-and-so can't work at this time. So-and-so, I'm not driving so-and-so to the other location. They only work in West or, or that's it. And then I ended up getting rid of them, just replacing their hours with someone else. And they were very annoyed at me because I did that. And I'm like, I said to the parent, you do realize that I can't discuss this with you, right? I can't talk to you about her employment. Um, this is the law. Like, you can't discuss someone's job. Once they're a hired employee, you know, the law states this is private and confidential. You can't share that. And sometimes parents don't realize that. So I, I, still to this day, she's the parents annoyed at me, but I couldn't discuss why I had to do this. And I couldn't tolerate the fact that she was telling me when her kids got – she thought it was just like some sort of, like, you know, after-school fun job that I just wanted her to work at. Like, I know I rely on her as an employee. I pay a salary. I want her to do a job like she's supposed to do it. So I eventually just kind of replaced her hours as well. But that is my dilemma sometimes. I don't have someone to replace. Like, I had an instructor that, I, that was teaching, and I was not very thrilled. Uh, you know, 80% or 70%, they were okay. I wanted 100%, and I wanted to replace them, but I couldn't find someone to replace them. And I thought that the parents would be up in arms because they liked him. And, uh, you know, I was kind of stuck in a way. So there's sometimes in some situations where we kind of get stuck, right? And, uh, you know, that's hard. It is hard, um, but that's where, you know, I, I think that you need to have good, hard bench strength. You know, I, yeah. I have a full-time program director, um, but I also have an assistant program director. And right. that assistant program director, would she be able to hop in and take right over of everything? No. Mm -hmm. But – Potentially within a month after a little bit more training, absolutely. And right. so that's where I think, again, that bench strength comes in. That is so important. Also cross-training your employees in different areas right. um, yeah. to, pick up the, to pick up some of the pieces. Um, you know, it's kind of like, again, this, this other entrepreneur that I talked to that has that um, – uh, massage business, you know, I, he's looking to get rid of a person, and he, we were going through things. And I said, "Look, 
He goes, I, this is my busy season. I can't. I said, you cannot not get rid of this person because right. it is bringing down the morale of everybody else in your business. And and you have two really really awesome employees that you love that work full time for you and and they're they've already complained to you about this individual and so by allowing this to fester and continue you're gonna lose their respect and I said it's more important for you to maybe lose a little bit of business or push some of these things into next month you know some of the call these people up give them give them an extra amenity give them. Uh, uh, if they're only doing a half an hour massage, give them a 45 minute massage and eat the 15 minutes, whatever it is. But you can't afford to keep a bad employee there. And I would say the same thing about, you know, us as instructors. Uh, we can't afford to have a bad instructor out there for us because of what it's going to do to the other individuals out on that floor, be it your students or even the other instructors that are out there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I think that okay. it, 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 it totally makes sense. I think that, you know, the execution gap sometimes is it's hard. That's where, that's where, you know, it's, it's totally, and I agree with you. Uh, I'm playing devil's advocate to some point. In fact, if I was coaching you, I'd be telling you the same exact thing. Um, and sometimes me as an owner, you know, I run into the same problems that everyone else does and I get caught up in the same minutia where it's the day to day struggles. And look, I, there was a period of time where, um, I took like almost four years away from my school where I was going in very limited and I did not want to, you know, I didn't want to lose that opportunity. So I allowed for certain people to do things the wrong way where, you know, now in the long run, I'm paying for that. Um, so it was, it was stupid on my part, but I wanted that freedom. So uh, I should have managed better. Um, I should have watched and inspected what I expected. I should have done all the things that we're talking about, you know, fired quicker, hired better. Um, and, and, and again, don't run an orphanage for unemployed people. Find people that are right for the job because if they're not perfect for the job, then they, they shouldn't be in the job. In other words, like you can't put in, um, I don't know, you, you can't put a, a person in a hospital to do surgery if they're not a surgeon, right? It's that clear. You can't put someone on the police force that is a criminal. It's that clear. Like there are certain guidelines we have to live by in our schools and say like, this is what we're looking for. Um, my, my ex-wife, my daughter's mom, uh, is head of human resources and they hire people from these resumes and interviews only to find out later on that they're totally lying about everything. They don't have the computer skills they said. They've never worked at this job. And some of it checks out. Some of they can't verify. So they hire them and trust that they're actually because they interviewed well. And they find out that they don't know how to do Excel. They don't know how to do this. They don't know. It's amazing right. at how people are. Um, and also, like I said, I like that you give them a probationary period that you said that they're working uh, kind of like trying out for the job. Um, because I've hired people that like that, that claim to be this or that, and they're not. And you got to be able to say, you know, things are just not working out. Like I had another girl that I hired, um, and she just didn't have any time to work. <laughs> like, she was going to work on a part-time basis, but every time I needed her, she wasn't available. I said, this is just not working out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and here's the other concept that I, I go under, except for our full-time individuals. And the concept is you, you, um, you get hours based upon your, um, your ability and your attitude. Right. So the better instructor you are and the better attitude you have, you get more. Uh, hours. Right. Right. Uh, and and part of the reason I do that is because <clears throat> when 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 and if somebody's losing hours, I want them to go. Uh, hey, Mr. Brummett, can I talk with you? Yeah. What's up? Right. 
I, I noticed that this week I don't have as many hours as I've had normally. Uh, what, what's going on? <clears throat> Glad you asked. <laughs> right. And then I can go into what it is. And, and I found that they are more receptive because they want to know why they don't get the hour or not getting the hours, right. especially right. two weeks in a row or whatever. And so we also have to be intuitive and know that there is going to be a point in time. Like I'll give you, for instance, two, two years ago, I had two students that were instructors of mine, been instructors for quite a long time, but they were getting ready to go off to college. And I would say probably the last six months that they worked for me, um, their work was diminishing. Not because they, you know, it, it was just, it was time for them to go, right? And so I started bringing their hours down. And neither one of them came up to me and asked me why. So right. I brought their hours down even more. Yeah. And they still didn't come up to me. And I probably did that three months before they left. Right. And so they weren't horrible, but you know what I'm saying? But And, 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 and it wasn't that they needed to be written up. It was just. Right. You know what I'm talking about. It was just. Well, that's uh, what happened. That's flighting. what happened. That's what happened with this girl and the parent, you know, thing. And we just started to slowly cut her hours out. And she never came to me and met with me. She just got bitter about it. And she stopped coming in and got another job. And, and, and she actually was a great employee. But I couldn't tolerate or deal with the fact that, you know, I couldn't have her work when I wanted and where I wanted. It was almost like I'm going to work around their schedule. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm tired of that. I've never, I don't, haven't done that in years. I used to do yeah. it all the time. You know, I want people to help me run my company, not me help them make money for their lives. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, one of my good friends, John Gaston, uh, he once said to me a long time ago, he says that people are one of two categories. They're either assets or liabilities. So, like, if they cost you money and they don't make you money, they're a liability. If they make you money and they're an asset to the company and they benefit you by being around, they're an asset, right? So. These are the way we have, and I hate to be so generic, like Trump, would, Donald Trump, when he was on The Apprentice, he would say, you know, let's do a corporate reshuffle and see if we could put them in another position if you have that availability. If not, you got to let them go for their own good. I, I yes. like that comment once. He says, I need to let them go for their own good so that they could go and move on to something that they're better at rather than me keeping them employed um, and doing a terrible job at it. They're never going to realize greatness that way. Absolutely. And, and I'm at a point right now, I just met uh, – last week with an employee of mine that uh, he's going to be leaving soon. I would say probably mm -hmm. by the end of the summer, he'll be, he'll be done and out of here. And I've already reduced his hours, but he already knows that we discussed it. He is, um, he's, he's just, I think he's burnt out and he's ready to move right. on. Um, right. He doesn't w want to quit yet, but I have reduced his hours, but him and I've already yeah. talked about that. So I wanted to bring that concept up is you also need to be, clear uh, and, and, and intuitive on those type of things as yeah. well. <clears throat> I want to leave everybody with this because I know this is this call is getting long. Um, and it's from, uh, I learned this from uh, Professor Keith Hafner. I think he's Grandmaster Hafner now, so I don't want to dishonor him by saying the wrong title. Uh, <laughs> but he actually got this from um, uh, uh, Nick Kokinas, I think, or Kokinos. Right, yeah, Kokinos from, from ESC. All right. Um, but it's, it's five concepts, and I got it written down here. It's called uh, train, 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 uh, remind, 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 inspect, 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 provide feedback, and start over. And I think that's a good rule of thumb 
for us, you know, with our employees is we need to train them. And if, if we don't have a system to train them, we need to create that system. Or you create that system while you're training. And you might find flaws in that system after you go and train a second person. But you got to train them. You have to remind them. We all need to be reminded. And so you need to have steps that are set in place inside the system to remind them so that you don't have to remember yourself to remind them. All right. you have to do is follow up with the system to make sure that they were reminded by doing the third step, inspecting what you expect. You had brought that up earlier. Right. And then you have to provide that feedback. If they're not meeting the expectations, it is your job to provide that feedback to the individual or individuals so that they know exactly where they stand and what they need to correct and what they're doing good on. Yeah. Providing feedback just isn't always the negative feedback. It is also uh, important to have that positive feedback, and that's where, like, even from the book, The One-Minute Manager, having the uh, the one-minute praise. And as much as you want to have the one-minute uh, uh, reprimand, <clears throat> you need to also have the one-minute praise. And then lastly, number five, is you just start the process over, uh, and you start it over again after you do that every single time. Yeah, now, Dwayne, I, I had two questions that were asked of us on Facebook. Number one is Renchi McCauley said, when it's a good – when it's good, 18-year-old instructor, um, but makes normal, immature mishaps, when do you account for that and give them an under, give them understanding? So I'm I'm not entirely clear of that question, but I think he means like you know when you know they're just younger and they're immature and they make the typical mishap for that age. When do we um, make them account for that mistake, or when do we hold them to the grind or say? Hey, they're just immature. They didn't know any better. You know, that's, you know, that's why they did it, you know. Yeah, okay. So, um, I had an employee tell another employee about, um, let's say the, uh, the wage that I was giving that employee. Right. Um, and so I had a meeting with that employee and I said, hey, look, um, did you know that this is not acceptable? You just right. don't do that. He goes, no, right. I didn't, uh, you know, and, and, and I knew that he didn't know that, but, um, and I said, here's why, and I went through the whys you don't do that, you know, what I'm affording you the opportunity to receive is not the same because you've paid these dues, you've done this and this and this, and, and he, he, I opened his eyes and he was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I guess I, I have this responsibility, I didn't realize that I was just taking it for granted and blah, 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 blah. I did write him up, but he didn't understand the gravity of that, yeah. and, and that it 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 broke company rule. You know, right. that's one of our 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 policies is you don't discuss your wages with somebody else, right? Right. You know, exactly. or if you're getting bonuses or commissions or whatever, you don't do that. That is a strike offense, right? And he didn't even realize that. And I yeah. said, you know, I understand that. I don't know that I would have known that when I was your age, but it, but it was inside of the uh, manual. And he's like, I'm sure I read it, but it's been years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a great, but, great but, comment. I agree. But with that's you 100%. when you, but that's when you write them up is when they violate. Uh, um, and I'm using um, the words there that Lewis just wrote on on the, the right. thread there. You you vi- when they violate school policy now. If they, they if they violate a policy that you don't agree with, but yet it's not policy, I don't know that you can write them up. But you can then go, oh crap, maybe I need to make that policy inside of my yeah. manual, and then everybody else know. And you yeah. will. Your your manual is not going to be perfect to begin with. It's going to be a living document that you need to right. add to, and then let everybody know, and then they sign off on it, and yada yada yada. Yep. 
Yeah, and I have a great employee manual. It's like 50 pages long. It has, it's been gone over by multiple attorneys. I mean, it goes from everything from days off, levels of uh, employment, whether it be semi-part-time, part-time, semi-full-time, full-time, you know, holidays, the whole nine. So it's, everything is in there. So quite often when people do things and they say, oh, you never told me that, I go, it's in the employee manual. You, sh- you have to have read that. And, and even if you read it and forgot it, you've got to stay up to date on it so that you don't violate um, you know, our employee procedures. I have one guy uh, that I've had in the past where he shares information that's in our meetings with others. Um, and I've said, this is private and confidential. That's why there's a non-compete, non-disclosure. You can't just go out and say, hey, Sheehan said he doesn't like Mr. and Mrs. Smith because they're a pain in the butt. You can't go up to Mr. and Mrs. Smith and go, you know, Sheehan doesn't like you so much. You know, that's all private information. You know, so when we discuss it as a team, it's only for our ears. So it's very important. And to answer Lewis's question, um, you know, when an employee violates a school policy, I, I think that that's, uh, you know, they're violating it, whether it be a school policy, an employment policy, whatever the case may be, you have to do exactly what you just said, right, Dwayne, and, and write them up, have a talk with them and make sure they're educated on it. Maybe they get the one that's part of their three strikes and, and you have to be real careful with how you handle it but you must handle it, right? Yeah, and and real quickly, um, I I think having that one-minute reprimand where they feel, I think it's important that they feel the burden of what they've done. And you'll know you'll have a good employee if they actually feel the burden of what they've done. And it's not to try to make them feel guilty, um, but they should want to feel guilty because of what they've done and how it has violated uh, the company and what it yeah. can potentially do, do to the company and the other employees and the students. And when they feel that, um, it's important. And, and, and Yeah, and if they have no remorse, <clears throat> they don't care, right? They're going to do it important for you to ma- it's important for you to manage by the metrics. It's important. So that takes the emotion out. But when you reprimand, um, you, rep- you, you, you reprimand one with the metrics, meaning what the policies are and procedures or whatever but you also reprimand with emotion. Right. Um, you shouldn't be emotional, but you need to get them to feel the emotion. And if they don't, then they're ne- definitely not the right employee to begin with. Absolutely, so. yeah, without a doubt. So I think it was a great call, a lot, a lot of information covered. So, uh, I mean, quite deep as far as, you know, any company could take, take what, we, what we've talked about. It doesn't matter whether you run a restaurant or you own a construction company or uh, a karate school. It's all the same. Um, you know, and or a yoga studio, whatever it may be, it's it's hard dealing with employees. Like in my taking it to the next level program, originally there were five tiers. First tier was systems. Second tier was building your business, working on it, not in it. And the third one was that. I mean, in that system was employees as well. Um, dealing with employees is it, it's a whole entire different dimension once you have to start doing that. Um, sometimes that's why people are self-employed and they like banging the hammer themselves. Because once you start hiring and working with people, it's a whole nother level of stress or a blessing, right? Depending on how good you are at it. Right. Well, it's like being a parent. I mean, you, you you can't farm it out to somebody else. It's your responsibility to train them, but it's also your responsibility to spank them when they need to be spanked. Absolutely. Yep. That's very true. All right, Allie, thanks very much. Hey, I want to remind everybody that you can uh, get some uh, free webinars at schoolownertalk.com. There's still a couple of that are up there. And, and hey, feel free to share this with other uh, school owners that you know that could definitely use on how to build their team for their, uh, their school. Absolutely. Thanks, Allie.
Take care, Dwayne. Everybody have a great day and a great productive week and enjoy the holiday. 